For as long as we have lived For as long as we have known Love has carried us You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis West in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at genesiscove.org. Enjoy the teaching. Love has carried us uh, for those of you who aren't on uh, the text list or on the email list, uh, get a hold of Larissa Crane um, and tried as hard as we could yesterday to get the word out, both uh, social media and uh, email to folks that there wasn't going to be church this morning. So um, if you're not on those lists and you want to be sure to be on those lists so that you can get future uh, alerts and updates, uh, Larissa is your point of contact there. So make sure you uh, get a hold of her looking at the clock here. Uh, so anyway, the plan is to just, I'm going to run through quickly what I would have done at uh, at the service, uh, and then we're going to get you all on your way so you can enjoy this wonderful snowy Sunday. I'm not as mad about this one, I'm going to be real honest with you, as I am about some of the other ones, only, only because on Tuesday I'm flying to Phoenix. I know you can hate me, that's fine, I don't I don't mind that a bit, uh, but that's, that's the plan, is... Uh, get out of here for a week. Uh, I know many of you have done that already. And I know many of you uh, hope to do that over the spring break period here. Um, I don't blame you. And uh, I'll be doing that myself here very shortly. So, all right, so let's get going. Uh, and we'll get into this and get you all on your way. Um, so we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be talking about a passage from Luke uh, chapter four, verses one through 13. So if you have a Bible handy, uh, you can go ahead and break that out, and we will uh, get to that passage here in just a moment. But I do want to start, before we get going, with a quick prayer. Uh, so if you'd like to join me. Uh, dear, dear Lord, Father God, thank you for this day, uh, snowy and cold as it may be. Uh, we thank you for the many blessings that you've given in our lives, uh, including someplace warm to stay out of the cold and out of the snow, including the technology that allows us to speak to each other, even though church was canceled today. Um, Lord, I thank you for all the many blessings in my life and the blessings in the life of Genesis Covenant Church. And I ask that you continue to watch over us, uh, keep us safe as we dive into your word here this morning. And I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, again, today's scripture reading is going to be from the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, which say, this is the NIV version I'm, I'm reading out of, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I cannot give it to, or I can give it to anyone that I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. 
Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an, op an opportune time. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we are in the first week of Lent, um, which naturally raises the question, what is Lent? Why is this important? So I'm going to read you the Wikipedia definition of Lent, because if it's on Wikipedia, it's got to be true, right? Wikipedia says the purpose of Lent is the preparation of the believer for, the, for Easter through prayer, doing penance, repentance of sins, almsgiving, and self-denial, which I think is actually a pretty good definition of what Lent is supposed to be. It's a 40-day period. The math gets a little funky because I think it's actually about 46 days, but you're not supposed to count Sundays, and Lent itself ends on Maundy Thursday. So when you do that math, it works out to 40 days. And of course, that 40-day period prep preparing for Easter, preparing for the seminal event in all of Christianity, is you know, mirroring Jesus's 40 days in the desert that we see in this passage. But it's not just mirroring that because, of course, 40, Jesus's 40 days in the desert was mirroring Israel's 40 years in the desert as they prepared to enter the promised land. Again, a, a period of preparation for a seminal event. So one of the questions that comes through Lent is how do we prepare, right? Easter is, like I said, the seminal event of the Christian calendar. How do we prepare for that? And I want to focus in on that definition that I read about the word repentance, because that's, I think, what's at the heart of this teaching and what's at the heart, really, of, of the season of Lent. Remember, the, the Hebrew word for repentance is teshuva, which means, literally translates to turn or to return. And the idea is that repentance isn't just about saying that you're sorry, although that's part of it. Repentance is involves an intentional change on the part of the person doing the repent, repenting. It is a it, it's that physical turn, that physical posture change taken in a theoretical form, if you will. That it isn't just about saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done X, Y, or Z. It's about saying, I'm sorry, I haven't done that I did X, Y, or Z, and here's what I'm going to do differently, and then intentionally living into that different trajectory, right? We talk about that all the time, that sin, sin literally, the word for sin translates to missing the mark that God has got a trajectory for our lives. If you envision an arrow flying towards a target, there's a trajectory that God wants our lives to be on. And to the degree that we get off of that trajectory and miss that mark, that's sinful, right? But the beauty is that we always have the opportunity to turn back, to return to teshuva, to get back on that trajectory and head towards that mark. So repentance, in a way, can be simple, it's complicated, but it can be simple, as simple as reminding our, the, ourselves of our place in God's creation and acting accordingly, right? God comes first, we come second. And I think that's the story that I see in Jesus's temptation in this passage from Luke. Uh, Jesus is preparing to go out and do his ministry, and he's reorienting, he's reminding himself, he's orienting himself with God first, and himself second, or us, humanity, I guess, he in human form, second. That's, that's sort of the orientation that he wants to take into this ministry. So let's take a look at the three temptations that are in this passage, and we can sort of work through them and see how each of them points in that direction. The first temptation uh, is, is where the devil tells him to turn a stone into bread. It's, it's chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Bread, of course, in that time was a symbol for sustenance, was a symbol for being able, for abundance, for being able to feed yourself, to be able to feed your family, to be able to live in a certain level of comfort. 
and so the devil says, you know, if you're the son of God, if you are who you say you are, then take this stone and turn it into bread. Provide for yourself. Use your godly powers to provide for yourself and your loved ones. And Jesus responds by quoting the Old Testament. And that's one of the things that <clears throat> I find so interesting in this whole passage is that, again, in this Lenten season, we are, we are heading towards the seminal Christian event, the resurrection of, of Christ. And yet along the way, there are so many threads that connect us to the Hebrew Bible, to the Hebrew scriptures. There are so many threads that connect us to the story of Israel in the Old Testament um, that as seminal as that Christian event is, it really does tie into the entire history of God's people. Um, so Jesus, of course, quoting the scriptures, his scriptures were the Hebrew Bible. Uh, he, speak, he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read you verses 2 and 3 that say, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. And here's where his quote comes from, verse three. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so you can see that orientation that I'm talking about, right? God first, us second. <clears throat> that providing for ourselves isn't just a matter of getting enough food to eat, isn't just a matter of providing ourselves with comfortable things, but is trusting that God will provide even in times of lack, even in times where we don't have that bread, we don't have the manna, we don't have the abundance of, of comfortable things, that God will come along and God will provide. It's a difficult thing to trust in, especially when we're immersed in this culture that tells us to take care of ourselves, to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and do it all ourselves, <clears throat> to rely on anybody, friends, family, God, to provide for us uh, can be a difficult thing. But that's the orientation that Jesus is trying to get us to see here. It's a rejection of our self-oriented focus and it's in favor of a God-oriented focus. That's that's what we're trying to do. So the second temptation, this comes in verses 5 through 8, uh, is political power, essentially, is what the devil is driving at when he says uh, that it all leads him up to the high place, and he says to him, I'll give you all the authority of all of these lands if you just worship me. It's my authority to give. If you worship me, uh, I'll give you all, all the power, all the glory, all the all the earthly authority you could possibly want. Jesus then, of course, turns around and quotes Deuteronomy again, goes back to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, if we look at verses 12 through 14, they say this, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of savory, slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. The quote in uh, Luke 4 is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's Jesus's translation of that Deut Deuteronomy passage. And again, you see that orientation, right? God first, me second. What, what he's getting at here um, is that all authority ultimately rests with God. I referenced this a couple of weeks ago in one of the messages that I gave that um, whatever authority we're granted in this life, whatever power, whatever comfort, whatever privilege we're granted in this life, isn't anything we have earned though it feels that way at times, it really isn't anything that we've earned. It's a gift from God. And that the idea is we turn around and give grace and give and give worship and give gratitude to God for that gift. I don't deserve it. So I'm going to approach it in as ethical and as fair a manner as I can. That's the idea, right? Again, God first, us second. 
and reality in the reality of the kingdom when the kingdom finally comes none of that earthly authority matters right our status as children of god our status as created in the image of our of our creator <clears throat> that's going to define our worth and it should define our worth now if we live our lives as though that is our only worth now we orient ourselves again into this god first us second posture and it gets us back to that trajectory that god's trying to trying to have us live live on so let's go to the third temptation this is in verses 9 through 12 this is testing god is the temptation um and we've all done it as much as we don't want to admit that we've done it we've all done it we've all at some point said god if you just do this one thing for me i swear i'll follow you i'll go to church every sunday i'll give a bunch of money to the poor i'll do all these stuff that you want me to do just just help me with this one thing just do it's this test of faith right which isn't actually faith at all because what it really is saying is that i'm not going to believe in you god i'm not going to believe in your promises i'm not going to believe in your grace i'm not going to believe in your mercy i'm not going to believe in all the promises you've given throughout the text that you've given us to to follow you until you show me x y or z show me this thing and then i will follow and that's that's backwards of how we're supposed to do it god first a second jesus in the garden of gethsemane is praying asking hopefully that you know, if there's any way we can not end up the way that I know that this story is supposed to end up, boy, that sure would be terrific. But he reorients himself in that moment of crisis and says, not, not my will, but your will be done. Remember, it's even in the Lord's prayer. Let your will be done. God first, us second. That's the orientation. That's as we turn, as we repent, as we turn back to the trajectory God has for us, that's kind of the orientation that we want to take. God first, us second. So that's, I think, a good way to start into this Lenten season. There are 40 days uh, for us to prepare ourselves for the reality that is the risen Christ at Easter. So you can take these 40 days and you can think about how am I preparing myself for that event? How am I turning back towards the trajectory God has for my life? How am I returning to his way? How am I returning to that orientation of him first, me second, his will, not mine? How am I going to do that? And for some of us, that's a matter of giving something up, right? We've talked about that plenty of times at Genesis, that it's we, we give up something that's part of our daily lives so that we create room in our life for God to fill. That when we <clears throat> think to reach for that cup of coffee or for that chocolate or for whatever it is we're giving up for Lent, um, that we use that impulse, that urge that we have to say, oh, wait, that's right, I'm giving that thing up, so this is the moment where I'm going to stop and I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to meditate on God, or I'm going to think about God. I'm going to think about how God has blessed my life or is with me in the moments where my life doesn't feel so blessed. That we allow God to fill us, fill that space that we've created by giving this thing up such that we then are full enough to pour that love and that mercy and that grace out to other people. That's, that's kind of the flow. That's kind of the orientation. So there's a bunch of different ways you can do that. I mean, it could be giving something up. That isn't a requirement. We certainly don't get dogmatic about that at Genesis. It can be something as simple as just setting aside extra time each week or each day, if you can, uh, for prayer and for meditation on scripture. How, whatever it is, whatever it is, that's that's the direction we're trying to go. That's, that's the flow we're trying to get into over these five weeks, these next five weeks or so of Lent um, as we head towards, the, like I said, the seminal moment in all of Christianity. So 
that's the message for today. That's the little bit I would have said that had we been at uh, at church today. I hope you're all having a very warm and comfortable Sunday. Um, like I said, uh, I'm getting through this one knowing that on Tuesday I'm headed to Phoenix, and you can be as mad at me as you want about that. I totally get it, and I'll take it because I'm still going to Phoenix, and I still get to watch baseball for the next week or so. So I will not be at, uh, at Genesis next Sunday. I hope you all have a wonderful worship service. I will be thinking about you and praying for you all. Um, I'll understand if you're not praying for me as I'm down in the sunshine and warm weather. But I will be looking forward to seeing, we will have a service on the 17th at, uh, at Elam, and I will see you all uh, hopefully on the 24th at Elam. So until then, um, if you'd like to, uh, at home and you're watching this, stretch out your hands and receive the benediction. Genesis, God has blessed you with the ability to return to him, no matter how far or how often you have strayed. May this Lenten season be an opportunity for you to turn back or reaffirm the orientation of God's place in your life. Amen? Amen. Thanks, everybody. Uh, have a good Sunday. Have a good rest of your weekend. And uh, uh, Genesis will be back on the 17th. Bye now.